It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid is about performance. Not just on the road, but in life. With not only trunk space, but room to make memories. It's electric with a backup plan where the only speed that matters is how fast you can slow down. The Volvo XC60 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. Performance where it matters the most. Visit volvocars.com slash US to learn more. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, it sure seems like the Raptors are headed towards having to choose two of Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and OG Ananobi to go forward with. But who should they choose? And is there anything from the 2021-22 season to tell us whether or not the Siakam and Barnes duo might be the way to go? We'll get into all that with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic on today's show. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, July the 14th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Go hit the big red subscribe button to get the video feed of the show each day so you can look at my mug and the mugs of my uh, far better looking guests. Uh, Please jump on in there. And of course, the Discord is the place to be. Jump on in. The link is in the description of the podcast, both in audio and video. 
studio as uh, we got a little, great little community, 150 people now just talking about the Raptors offseason in a very nice, pleasant, mostly agreeable way. What a wonderful thing to find on the internet in 2023. Come hang out, link in the description. Everybody is welcome to join our little community over there. Okay, let's get to it on today's show. We're grappling with kind of the biggest philosophical question facing the Toronto Raptors right now, while also taking a look back at the back part of the 2021-22 season, in which the Raptors were awesome, and Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes were kind of the two dueling heads of the snake that led them to said awesomeness. We'll dig into that season and whether there's anything there that's replicable for this team, if in fact they choose to go forward with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam as their two main dudes into the future, a uh, thing that I've been kind of clamoring for all week long. If you're an everyday or you know, if not, go listen to previous episodes this week to get my feelings on the whole Pascal situation. Let's bring our, in our guest. It is Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic, who is here once again. And uh, Jamar, it's lovely to have you. Are you sick of waiting for uh, news to come down about whatever the hell the Raptors direction is going to be as well? Yeah, every day I wake up to an up, a new rumor, an updated rumor. It's... A new ringer story pitching a trade that uh, we've been pitching on this show for a while now. Shout out Michael yeah. Pina. We love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know plenty of people who have muted Dame, Damian Lillard, Bala, <laughs> uh, Siakam, Trade, Pascal, OG. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay. I'm, not, I'm not doing all of that. It's just like, okay. But yeah, it it is an annoying wait period of uncertainty. So here we are. I love the uh, muting a bunch of terms that are annoying you kind of blitz. Uh, I remember back in like the summer of 2017, 2016, was it? When the uh, Boston Celtics signed Gordon Hayward and everyone was like, oh, the Celtics are the kings of the East now. Uh, I had to uh, both block or mute uh, Gordon Hayward, Brad Stevens, Danny Ainge, and I'm pretty sure Eastern Conference uh, just because it was too much for me. And I'm pretty sure those terms... I'm too lazy to do that. (laughs) I think those terms are still muted, as are like a million Game of Thrones terms when I was really worried about Game of Thrones spoilers Spoilers, back in the before times when, uh, you know, that was still a thing we cared about. Um, Let's uh, let's dive in here, I guess, to the big question first. We'll get into the look back at 21-22 in a second, but I I think it's worth kind of digging into this big philosophical question, which really feels like the crossroads the Raptors find themselves at, where it's just kind of time to pick a direction and lean into it. And the direction it feels like is to choose one of three options. Moving on from Pascal Siakam, moving on from OG Ananobi, or doing the nuclear thing and moving on from Scotty Barnes and sort of an all-in move in particular for Damian Lillard. Again, shout out to Michael Pina for uh, pushing the agenda forward yesterday at the ringer. Um, and so, you know, there's arguments in favor that make sense for all three of these outcomes as well. Um, so I, I guess, Jamar, where are you at right now? Like, if it does, I mean, first of all, do you feel like that's kind of where they're at? Do you think they just have to kind of choose two of those three guys and go forward with that decision? Or, or is it maybe a little bit more nuanced or more sort of, are you looking for more of a patient approach and if so where are you leaning as far as which two guys they should opt to build this team with going forward well it looks like the way they're leaning is Mm. they're trying to pick the option to trade pascal but it seems that they haven't found the offer that they want Mm -hmm. um so that seems to be their attempt uh i believe that to resign past like to extend pascal and also resign og next offseason was going to be tough obviously Mm -hmm. 
they wanted to keep Fred and Fred going to Houston, I guess, was a blow to their plans. So they might act differently now and not, you know, just have everybody as a free agent going into free agency. That's not really a successful route to go. Uh, Seems like a risky thing to do on exactly. the heels of the Fred thing, even with their history of retaining their own guys more often than not. Especially especially with the fact that, you know, OG hasn't been really content with his role for like the last mm. couple of seasons. So that I don't think that's something you want to play with. Now, in terms of, you know, picking two of the three guys, uh, you brought up the peanut trader couple of times mm-hmm. i actually didn't think that that was a horrible trade a lot of that actually not. Makes, <laughs> makes sense um the only the only thing was like okay is there a way that they could have kept gary but i'm not mm-hmm. i don't i'm not a trade machine guy i don't know how the numbers work in regards to sure. that uh you're you're better off not being a trade machine guy by the way it's a sickness and i don't know I, if you want to for the last I don't know couple if you of years wanted to, i don't know if you wanted to read off the trade idea for listeners who don't know yeah, for, for those who don't know, Michael Pina, who I'm going to try to get on the show in the next little while. We've been texting back and forth this week uh, about this very thing. Uh, we love Pina. He pitched basically Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., and all the salary filler guys, Thad Young, Otto Porter Jr., Chris Boucher, plus a future first rounder and a swap for uh, Damian Lillard and Nass Little. Again, I, I think the specifics of the trade may be less important. Just the concept mm-hmm. of a Scotty Barnes-centered package for a Dame Lillard-centered package, I think, is kind of the the thing to focus on here. Because yeah. that's really the only way this Scotty, you know, the, right. the, the only way they don't have Scotty as part, one of the two they choose is if this deal is something they opt to go for, if the Blazers also opt to go for it, which they probably should if it's on the table, but I digress. Well, that's the that's the win-now timeline where you yeah. still, okay, you trade Scotty, and, you know, I again, I'm not sure about Gary, but what's left is you have a really good team that could possibly contend you you have mm-hmm. a one-two with dame and pascal you have og still there you have Jakob still there um you have some bench pieces still there so you know if you want to like jump into potential contention that actually works out now would dame want to come here or is he just steadfast on miami i feel like there's a little bit of bluffing there um, a little bit, I think, is understating it. It feels like the biggest, most transparent bluff of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and and basically, it's like okay, you know, we had reports that Kawhi didn't want to come here either, so we've kind of like been been there, done that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dame has numbers of years left on his contract, so yeah, that would be the win now uh, direction, and then. The great thing with OG in particular is, you know, we've done a lot of talking about timelines mm-hmm. a little bit because, you know, we've you've even seen it with the Warriors where, you know, they had a bunch, they had a young crop of Poole and Kaminga and they didn't get along with the older crop, such as like a Draymond. It's like the mm-hmm. 10 year difference between the two. Um, the good thing with OG is that I feel like he kind of fits both movements if you wanted to 100 if you wanted to trade pascal and have a younger movement og's only i believe 25 and then if he, he has but he has enough experience if you were in win now mode that he would be a major contributor so that actually works out for him both ways as far as where i'm leaning i mean i don't think i doubt the raptors would do the dame trade but that seems to be the most appealing route to me mm-hmm. um Scotty, I obviously, you know, we don't know his ceiling right now. Um, 
a lot of it is still scratching the surface and we're going to go into the his rookie season a little bit at the end where you know you saw a lot of potential but yeah if i'm picking a direction i'd probably want to go to dame route i know fan base is kind of split on that but yeah especially that's with, the beauty of it baby it's yeah. just like it's not easy there's it's not none of these options are perfect either well the question i, I think the question some fans are having is you know that offer kills any offer that we've seen so far. Like mm-hmm. Miami seems like they're just sitting there waiting with scraps, with Tyler Hero and scraps, and just like, okay, we don't have to do anything because we know he's come, he wants to come <laughs> here anyway. So when are you going to take our offer? So it's just like, okay, so so some fans are like, why would the Raptors give up that much? If but that's kind of like the way to turn the table. Way to yeah, it's the way to, yeah, to one up the offer exactly. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What direction were you leaning? I mean, I, I think if you can look at the the, the, the sort of Dame thing, again, I, I'm not under any illusion that that's realistically going to happen. I, yeah. It's like it's the kind of idea. deal that, yeah, the kind of deal you kick around that does make a lot of sense on paper that mm-hmm. probably never goes down. And, that's what I'm you thinking. know, that that's whatever. And so for me, I, I've been kind of making the case this week, and it's the inspiration for the next couple of segments that we're going to come up on of, you know, obviously the Scotty OG duo, if you choose those guys, that is sort of the young play. It gets OG right. probably the uptick in role that you want. I'm just not especially high on the ceiling of that because I don't think Me it's either. been like it's clear that Scotty Barnes can be like the best player on a great team, right? Like it's he's still very young. It could absolutely happen, but I like to tend to be pretty safe with young guys and project them to come in somewhere below their 90th percentile outcomes because that's what happens 90% of the time is they don't reach those outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'd rather just go with the top end talent. And for me right now, the best option they can do that with is the Pascal Scotty duo, which has had some success in the past. Um, you know, the, obviously, if you can make the Dame thing happen, great. But I would rather try this thing with Pascal and Scotty going forward than Scotty and OG, just because I think, A, they're more talented on the whole between the two. Maybe the fit's a little trickier, but I don't think it's unworkable. And then when you have the OG Scotty thing, like, I just feel like OG is also like a bigger flight risk too. You can't offer him something on an extension this summer likely that he's going to take. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be looking at Jeremy Grant money or more, and that's just not somewhere the Raptors can legally go right now with the 140% raise extension rules, um, even though those rules are more friendly than they used to be for teams trying to resign their guys. It's not going to work for OG this time around. And Pascal, you can extend right now and just have him on your team for the next five seasons to grow with Scotty Barnes. I think that's a good thing if you can do that because Pascal Siakam is right now by far the best player of this bunch. No, he's probably not the best player on a championship team, but I don't think that's how you got to go about building all these team like all these team building questions can't be centered around that one specific thing because that one specific thing is so scarce in the NBA that it's not realistic to only pursue those types of players. And so for me, the Scotty Pascal play is the talent play, and it is a bit of a longer play because you're going to have to rework the roster around them, as we're going to get into, I think, coming up here. Um, but for me, that's just the way to keep the most talent on your roster and start from there as your building point. We're going to come back on the other side, Jamar, and get into 2021-22 and why that season finished so well. Ex- remind you of exactly how awesome that team was down the stretch, one, one and then thing. we'll look at... Yeah, what's up? Um when you, when we're talking about OG and Roll, yeah, how much do you think he looks at Mikhail Bridges and feels like he can replicate that? Because even up to the middle of last season, before 
Bridges got traded to um, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. they had they were in terms of role, they were very comparable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of time, I mean, what, 15 to 18 points play elite defense. A lot of times they're just stuck in the corner as a three and D person, mm-hmm. although Bridges never complained about that. But him going to Brooklyn and kind of like blowing up as like a 25 point per game score. And, you know, OG getting a little bit of, of reps in a number one scoring option a couple of seasons ago when Pascal was out with his uh, shoulder surgery. How, how much do you think OG looks at that and it's like, OK, this is when I say I want the ball. It's more like this. Or do you think it's not as I'm I'm done guessing with OG <laughs> sort of role desire. Right. Because, like, I, I don't think any team is trading for OG with the intent of having him be yeah. the, the number one or two guy, really. Like, he's and the guy. The he's like set. a finishing piece on a championship team. And, and so, like, does he want to go be the like the Jeremy Grant of the Pistons of, for some other team? Right. Like, I don't know. Maybe that is what he wants. And if so, power to him, I suppose. But it's tough to parse because I feel like. OG can be such an impactful player as like a third or fourth option on a very, very good team that, you know, if I that were me, I'd be like, that's pretty perfectly fine role to be in. But obviously, I'm not in OG's head. I don't know his personal ambitions as a player. I know he wants to get paid, as all players do. And maybe that's what he views as his pathway to getting paid, though I think he'll get paid anyway because of his defense. Um, it's a tricky one, but I do think the the sort of question of the role... I, I just I don't think he has the offensive juice to even do the Mikael Bridges scoring thing, right? Exactly. And if he does, it's going to be on a team that's not especially good. Um, we do have to get to the break, though. We'll come back yeah. on the other side. We'll get into 2021-22 and uh, re- relive what was a very good season. A little gimmicky maybe down the stretch, but also some pretty interesting stuff to build on as well. We'll get to that in a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs who make the most comfortable shorts in the game. And they make you look great. They make your legs look awesome. I pressed the wrong button here to set up this ad read. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> for those on the video, sorry for the confusion. Um, but yeah, go check out Bird Dogs. They are just wonderful. And they have have the future of underwear sewn right into them. It is the comfort lining that every single pair of bird dog shorts, whether khakis, oxfords, or uh, gym shorts, have built in. It just replaces the need for underwear, which is a wonderful thing in the hot, hot summer. And the summers ain't getting any cooler, I can tell you that. Uh, bird dogs, they're great. They're, they're versatile. You can wear them to the gym. You can wear them to the golf course. You can wear them out when you're going out with your friends at the bar. They're super versatile. can be uh, suitable for any occasion. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA to enter the promo code LockedInNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash LockedInNBA or the promo code LockedInNBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler along with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Go check them out. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
All right, we continue on here. Your first listen of the day, Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic along. As we now go a little back, just 18 months or so, two years, to the 2021-22 season. A season in which the Raptors closed on a real heater. And it's not just, it was, oh, the last couple months of the season, they were awesome. January 1st on, the Toronto Raptors had a 33-17 and record. They were uh, ninth in the NBA in net rating during that stretch at a plus 3.8 net rating per 100 possessions. They were 6th or 5th in defense, depending on the site you look at. 6th on NBA.com, 5th on cleaning the glass. Their offense was around 16th, um, but their defense was uh, menacing. And Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes were playing incredible ball. Siakam, over the final 50 games of that season, finishes with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. It's his averages 50% from the field, 37% from deep on over 3 attempts a game. That's not nothing. Um, and uh, 76% from the line. Scotty Barnes finishes the season super strong, 17-8-4 on 53% from the field, just 27% from deep, 74 at the line. Uh, and they did this all while Fred Van Vliet was dealing with injuries after carrying the team for the first part of the year with Pascal Hurt. Uh, he really kind of broke down, and over the last 50 games, or sorry, last 25 games, uh, Fred Van Vliet shot just 29% from the three, so it was not exactly offering much three-point juice to a team that badly needed some three-point juice at the time. Um, their offense was not great. 26th and half-court offense per clean the glass during that final 50-game stretch. But again, the defense was outstanding. They murdered the offensive glass. They had success with those big, long, janky lineups. Jamar, thinking back to 2021-22, what kind of stands out for you as like the thing that you remember from that team, the thing that maybe gives you hope that something out of there could be replicable going forward? Well, the thing I noticed just from a few games that I quickly took a look at again is that mm -hmm. during that stretch Pascal and Scotty worked great together because remember when Scotty got drafted the first thing was like okay are we trading Pascal now because they yeah. can't play together but when it's between those two they've actually complemented each other really well uh, a lot of things they were doing were interchangeable during that time you know you would see either one of them post up either one find each other on cuts You'd see, you know, even Scotty would relocate to or, well, either one to the three-point line. Sometimes uh, they were great finding each other in transition. Like there was a lot the of transition things. was ridiculous. Like with those two running it, not so great with anybody else running it. But you right. Know. <laughs> so there was a lot of things that worked well. The one thing that you have to keep in mind, though, especially that, that entire season, really, is that that was one of the we more weirder se uh, seasons in a sense that someone was always out right like i don't remember the number of how many games they had a full lineup but I, if i were to take a wild guess it couldn't have been more than 10 i believe the starting five like or the main five guys as we know them uh, i'm not sure yeah they were the starting five by the end uh you know fred gary og pascal scotty i, I believe they played 21 games together in really? that, that season much? yeah i yeah, think that, so yeah i, I can mean, pull the only, lineup data but that's only a quarter of the season but that still that still feels like that feels like <laughs> more than i uh expected but basically what i'm saying is that you got a sample with pascal and scotty and that's cool and everything but then a lot of that was without og who we've mm -hmm. already talked about at length about wanting a, a new role and i mean a, a more elevated offensive role and it's like how would that work if you add ogc equation and maybe honestly because everybody's numbers kind of had a little bit of an uptick because of how much they had to do without somebody like you know for you know fred missing 
I mean, Fred, you know, being limited the second half of the season, so Pascal had to do more and Scotty had to do more. And then even Fred earlier in the season when Pascal was out, he had to do more, so his numbers kind of took an uptick. And mm-hmm. I think the chemistry, per se, didn't work out when everybody was together because, you know, Fred had a couple of things to say about, you know, having the ball less. Now, OG mm-hmm. still wanted the ball. So it was like kind of like a thing where – some of it only worked because some guys were out and Mm -hmm. in terms of the overall fit, how would it all fit together? Now, if you implement what Pascal and Scotty were doing to this current roster, it's a little bit more complicated spacing wise, because now back then Pascal and they, we didn't have a real five, right? It was just a bunch of, it was a bunch of wings, a bunch of length and, you know, kind of a figure it out in terms of, you know, guarding centers or, or, you know, rebounds or anything like that which is something i brought up it's like what if they play in beat mm-hmm. uh back in our previous uh podcast we did but with Jakob in the way offensively that really kind of limits the potential of a pascal and scotty thing because at some point you need some sort of spacing right and yeah. then leaned on fred a little bit towards that uh this season and now fred's not here either so it just feels that spacing wise i don't know how much that would work when a lot of these guys operate in the same area like you could do like both of them could operate with Jakob in pick and roll situations but it's like how much can you post up a scotty or post mm-hmm. up a pascal with Jakob right there as well with like one shooter on the court which would be og and then and sorry two shooters of so og and gary out of like in this this day and age that's not enough for shooting the t- teams Certainly. are going to sag off on players especially if you know they're going to put scotty at the point that might be something they want to experiment with because i know some people are like um you know scotty's not a point guard and some people on the other side are like how do you know he's not a point guard he hasn't really played it with like mm-hmm. you haven't really given him the point guard keys since he's been in the nba so it's just like from a spacing perspective it's like how much can you take into 21 22 that would work today i'm not really sure yeah, it's tough, right? Like the addition of Pirtle makes it clunkier. And that, to my earlier point, is sort of why I think if you do do the Scotty Pascal thing, the five years of runway are valuable because those are five years in which the first couple you can spend reimagining the roster around them. And mm-hmm. is it awesome to be, you know, signing Yaka Pirtle and thinking about trading him for a more better fitting center somewhere like in the next couple of years? Maybe that's not the best way to go about it, but they have the good player on the roster. And he does offer something, I think, that that 21-22 team didn't have, which is like a structure and a spine and an ability to play a less gimmicky brand of basketball. Like 100%. that was a gimmicky team. They were playing the full, like, Nick Nurse style defense basically that whole season, um, you know, kind of overcoming their lack of size with their length and intensity and all that stuff. Um, Yaka Pirtle makes it so you don't have to necessarily play that type of helter-skelter defense. You could probably have a more traditionally sound defense, maybe conserve a little energy for your offensive game. Um, but the offensive fit is weird. You know, Siakam, yeah. Barnes, Pirtle is tough. Especially now, that said, yeah, for sure. But that said, if Pascal Siakam shooting 37% on three attempts a game as like a catch and shoot guy working off of Scotty Barnes, 
then maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room there and a little bit of extra space you can breathe in to your offense. That's a big if. Obviously, Pascal's been an up-and-down three-point shooter his whole career, a lot of down, but I I still think like we've seen him have 36-37% shooting seasons and be pretty solid from the corners in pretty long stretches. I think there's three-point shooting upside still to tap into there, and that could be the way you kind of counteract the lack of space that the arrival of Pirtle brings. But ultimately, uh, a, a decision to opt into the Scotty Pascal duo going forward probably means that pa- that, that Yaka Pirtle gets moved somewhere down the line to reassemble, reconfigure the roster around those two guys in a way that makes more sense. Um, let's take a quick break, come back on the other side, and we'll get into the precious Achua of it all, get into any other stuff we feel like might be replicable here, um, okay. and kind of close our thoughts on 2021-22 as a season. Uh, you know, because again, there's, there's still... Like that happened. That's 50 games of the those two dudes mm-hmm. being awesome together in concert with one another in kind of a weird roster setup as it was back then, too. We'll get into all that in a sec. Before we do that, however, I need to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose, that's 200 You can spend on everything from the money line to the over-unders to whatever it might be. Who's going to hit the first home run? I'm not someone who does a ton of sports betting, but when I do, it's usually because I'm attending a game in person. And guess what? I'm going to my first Blue Jays game of the season tonight, and you can bet I'm going to have a little action going on with FanDuel. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's a nice thing to have while you're sitting in the stands to enrich the live game experience. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, rounding up the show here with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic as we uh, continue to ponder the sustainability, the viability, the replicability of the 2021-22 Toronto Raptors close to the season. Um, For me, as far as things that feel replicable from that year, I I think the Pascal stuff is. I I think we just have to look at Pascal and just accept that this is like a 24, 8, and 6 dude, oh, yeah, which sure. is really hard to do. He's sure. awesome. And I, I think, you know, in all the conversations about trading him, his awesomeness has been very much underrated. And the idea of getting back sort of like a piddly package of a couple of maybe prospects and an unwanted big contract from some team along with whatever picks 
really undersells. Like, Pascal Siakam rules, and you probably shouldn't trade him for 75 cents on the dollar when you have the opportunity to just keep him on your team through the through his age 33 season, where he's going to, I think, remain a very, very high-end player in the league. Um, I, I think that's all replicable. The Scotty Barnes stuff is a massive question here. Last year was not the same level for him. I think he improved in some areas and, and sort of regressed in some others. I don't think it was this disaster flop season that a lot of folks want to say it was. I think it was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, it was fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't terribly thrilling, um, but it wasn't disastrous. But um, a lot and, of that, a lot of, sorry yeah. to cut you off, but a lot of yeah. that I feel is the whole roster's construction, role definition issue. For right? sure. That played yeah. the team all last season. So I can't even put a lot of that on Scotty. That's totally true. Like he had his role changed a million times. He went from being a wing to a center, back to a wing. Like there, there was a lot of change for Scotty, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not writing off that Scotty Barnes can be excellent. It's why I think it's the talent play to just keep Siakam and Barnes together and try to make it work. Frankly, like that's because I think Scotty Barnes has quite a high upside, and if he does grow into the player that everyone hopes he can be, then it's going to be pretty awesome to have Pascal Siakam flanking him, um, considering that they do have some success on their track record. One of the big ones from that year is Precious Achua. And I think that's a massive question here as well. He's going into the last year of his rookie deal. He's up for new money uh, after this season. I doubt he's getting extended this summer, even though he's extension eligible. But in the last 50 games of 21-22, 38% on two and a half attempts from deep a game. The defense was outstanding. The offense was a typical roller coaster, but there was a lot more good than bad, it felt, during that stretch. And he didn't quite capture that magic in 2022-23. Where are you at on Precious as sort of a guy who fits into this equation if, in fact, they go with the Siakam-Barnes duo going forward? Which, again, there was a reporting yesterday on the low post from Ian Begley that he thinks, you know, OG's going to be on the Raptors through the, the start of the season. That's probably what's going to happen here. But in the event you do extend Pascal, I think moving OG becomes more of a, a plausible pathway forward here. But moving OG kind of requires Precious Achua to figure his stuff out and get back to that 2021-22 level in order to kind of fill in that that three-point shooting and wing defense void that OG will very clearly leave. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Precious and whether or not that back end of the, the that season was fool's gold or is it something that can be tapped back into with a bit more health in this coming season and a little bit more sort of regularity in terms of role? Well, you brought it up with the health. I think that really derailed Precious last year because, I mean, last season because of, you know, he, he missed a ton of games, never really got into a rhythm. And it obviously, you know, with nurses' rotations and stuff and lack of trust in the bench that, you know, with his struggles, there was times where he, he just wouldn't play much. And then when he finally got into a little bit of a rhythm, he was starting a few games, then they made the trade for Yak. So then he went back to the bench. So it was a really just off season for Precious in terms of just, you know, being comfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think there are things you can take away from the previous season uh, that stretch in the second half of the season. I will never, ever, ever forget that pull up three against Philadelphia. That was I'll see you when I go to sleep, man. I get it tattooed <laughs> on the inside of my eyelids. That is uh, <laughs> that is my favorite Precious play. I cannot believe he took that shot, but it just. <laughs> to show you how much confidence he had at that time. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he went, like, a whole second half of the season basically being a 40% three-point shooter on pretty significant volume. So I do think he brings a nice mix of versatility. Especially, you know, we talked about the interior and being able to switch onto, onto the perimeter to play the defense there. And then 
I think it's just a confidence thing for him. If he can have a, again, I'm going to keep saying this. If he can have a defined role, mm-hmm. he'll have more confidence. And, you know, because it, it's it's hard to, just thinking about it, it's hard to play and not, know, like, especially last year, you make a couple mistakes, you're probably going to the bench. Yeah, It's kind of hard to be fully yourself knowing that. Especially You've got to give Precious Runway to boot the ball out of bounds three right. times a game and not feel like he's <laughs> going to get yanked. It's just got to happen. <laughs> Especially when he's coming off an injury. Mm-hmm. And then again, you didn't know who was staying, who was going. They trade for a center. You were playing center. That's pretty significant. So if there's just more of a role definition for Precious, you know, new, new, entirely new coaching staff and everything, hopefully more, you know, knock on wood, he has a healthy season. I could definitely see him replicating some of the stuff that he did in 21-22. Am I saying he's going to be a 40% three-point shooter? No. It's uh, <laughs> like 35, 36, yeah, please. But, yeah. yeah. Throw that's down your possible. big dunks. Yeah. I've seen enough from Precious where I think that's possible. So, no, I totally have faith in Precious in terms of, you know, bringing a, a, a pretty significant role off the bench. It's just he needs, at this point of his career, I just think he needs to have something defined and consistent so that he could be the best at his role, not have mm-hmm. it change a million times like Scotty. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, honestly, the, the best thing that could happen this year is Darko Ryakovich comes in and just says, this is your job. He gets the Dwayne Casey roll cards out and just starts handing them out <laughs> um, like candy to everybody. And I think that could really kind of help with a lot of what we saw last year. You know, to kind of go back to your point of that um, sort of clunky starting five the Raptors had, the small starting five, you know, that, that they did play just 21 games together in oh. that 21-22 season. They didn't have a great offense, like, net rating. They were a 0.5 net rating team. Their defense was excellent. The offense stunk. Um, and, and so, you know, th- that I do think speaks to the overlap, the sort of competing for touches and all of that stuff. I think that's actually where Jakob Pertl helps, too. In that, like, he's not someone who demands the ball a ton, and he can actually just kind of be like a supplementary connective piece. And if you can find a way, and so this is sort of the next step for me is can you build a sensible roster around Siakam and Barnes and to play more of a traditional game than we did see back in that gimmicky year, where I don't think we'd see the Raptors bring back the crash the offensive glass like Maniacs thing or the uh, play all these weirdo lineups and, you know, do the sort of scrambling defense. Like, I think we'll see a more traditional style of play under Darko. And the reason I think, you know, the, the Scotty-Pascal duo is interesting is because if you do end up moving OG as a result of committing to those two, you can start to reassemble the roster with a little bit more shooting, maybe a little bit more guard play. Like I feel like you can get players who can better fit around Scotty and Pascal by using OG as that big trade piece um, in a way that you're probably not going to with Siakam because he you know has a bigger contract. He's harder to sort of make it work and, and fit with any team. OG fits anywhere. You can get a bidding war going and get some good players back. And if you do that, you start to squint and see, oh, okay, maybe you get a guard back. You know, I, I've been pitching Emmanuel quickly a bunch. You get someone like that. Um, maybe you look at Grady Dick and the shooting he provides. That's something they certainly didn't have on that 21-22 team outside of Gary Trent Jr., but it's a very different kind of shooting, I think. Jalen McDaniels has a bit of shooting upside and could also sort of do the Precious and Boucher, large dude, mess stuff up kind of thing that we saw from those teams. 
um, you know, you start to squint and there's a bit of a, a workable roster there if you can turn OG into players who better fit around the Seahawks and Barnes duo, accepting that the Pirtle thing is always going to make it a bit of a tricky fit. But I don't think an untenable one because I also think the defense should be awesome. And, and, you know, we saw it back in the back part of last year with Yak. We saw it in the back part of 21-22, flirting with top five defense. I think that's possible, you know, with Yak on this team. And even if you move OG, I think you can still kind of have a, have a pretty pretty credible case to be a top 10 defense. Um, any parting shots on this one? Any last kind of thoughts about the... The, the choosing of two of these three guys, um, you know, the, or the 21-22 season, any sort of things we might have missed about that year that um, you think kind of inform the viability of if they were to do Scotty and Pascal going forward, any last parting shots here before we wrap it up? No, I think we've covered a lot of, you know, what worked and what they need to improve on from that era. I just want them to do something like, damn. Yeah, just like <laughs> do something. Uh, someone in the Discord today uh, likened what we're doing right now to Panda Watch from Anchorman as a throwback reference. That's fun. Um, you know, it's too long. Just get something done. I know it's only July the 14th, but we got vacations coming up. We got stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> I just, I want to see this resolved in some way, shape, or form. I do think, um, you know, if I did have to predict something, it's that one of those three guys will not be on the team come the start of the season. Yeah. Who, who of those three? It seems like Pascal's the most likely at the moment. Yeah, do that at your own peril, man. I, I don't think the return for Pascal at this juncture is going to be nearly what the return for Pascal Siakam should be. Actually, you know what? I do have something to him. add because yeah, the, I find the I find the Pascal trade value perplexing for a few a number of seasons now. Yeah. Okay, so um. He had, you know, his first breakout season. I'm not talking most improved season when we won the championship. I'm talking the next season where he was sure. second team all NBA. Yep. We all know what happened in the bubble. And then I remember when uh, Ben Simmons wanted out of Philly and there, you know, trade trade ideas were being floated around. And basically, I remember writers saying that Pascal had the same value as like a Karis Devert. And it's just crazy I, dumb, just crazy, I, I, crazy I dumb. And it feels like, just ugh. it feels like <laughs> even now coming off a second. Um, all NBA season um, last year, la- mm-hmm. uh, in the 2022 season, and then make an All Star again in 2023. Mm-hmm. It feels like his trade value is still nowhere where it should. I understand he's 29 years old, but he's at the. I feel like he's at the peak of his powers right now, and he's a bona fide All Star. So I'm he's just, like a 25, eight, and six guy. Yeah, like so I'm just, we, yeah, it, ugh, I'm confused. It's crazy. It, it's it, it's so, the one year on his deal, right? It's the it's the worry of not being able to retain him uh, that is the the concern that's driving his value down. It seems, and I guess the reports that he doesn't want to sign an extension with anyone because he wants to be yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, um, which I, I maybe you should just part. take him at his face value and keep him in Toronto. <laughs> like I, it's, I, we're overcomplicating this. And I understand of you know the complications that could bring but i'm just talking about pascal the Mm -hmm. player i just feel like he's still massively underrated and you're bringing up the numbers he's putting up and remember he's putting up those numbers on a team that doesn't completely fit his style like it doesn't fit him at all and he still does it yeah exactly the the space is messed if if it were pascal doing his thing and you had a bunch of shooters around him Mm -hmm. like he would even be more effective so Yeah. yeah i don't i don't know it's been a frustrating thing for me anytime i see uh pascal in any trade rumors or scenarios or anything like that it's just like do you guys even watch pascal like, I don't know. I don't know. and this is like 
it's not even to say that I don't understand the logic completely behind him being the guy you move on from. If you just want to tear off the Band-Aid and go young, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's I get not that my part. preferred philosophy, but it's just I the get value it. for me, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense if you're not getting back uh, a lot because he's the type of player you should get a lot for. With that, we will leave it there as uh, our long nightmare of waiting for something to happen as we poke the Raptors with a stick. Uh, we'll, we'll probably continue through the weekend and into next week. We will have a fun show next week. We've got a couple guests lined up. I'm hoping to get Michael Pina on the show. Katie Hind will be back from Summer League as well. Uh, and we uh, Asad Alvi as well, our pal Swar Lasers with his new Substack newsletter will be on the show, I think, on Tuesday to get into some stuff too. So it should be a fun one. So please stick around. And uh, in the meantime, subscribe, follow, rate, review. Jamar, where can people check out your work? I pointed you the wrong way. I'm very bad at that. <laughs> My Twitter handle below. I'm pointing the right way. Uh, Jamar BH. Uh, I did a earlier summer league recap. Summer league's kind of been. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we didn't yeah. talk about the game from yesterday because uh, with Grady and uh, Marquis yeah. Noel not playing, I chose yeah. not to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I did watch it. I mean, I, I thought I was going to do a recap to that game. And then I completely forgot that there is a consolation game so that is not the raptors last summer league game there is a there is a fifth game and then i'll recap the feel the rush can't wait (laughs) well yeah i'll I'll recap summer league uh have some thoughts in regards to that but my raptors republic info is on a twitter link on my bio so you can check hell yeah Everyone go do that. Uh, you can find all my stuff over on Twitter. Uh, you just, this is my stuff. You watch the podcast. You found all my stuff. Congratulations. Uh, you can also go and uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. The, hit the big red subscribe button on the YouTube channel, etc., etc., etc. We'll be back again on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will uh, hopefully have some movement, but probably not uh, in a couple days to dig into as we tee up another week on Monday. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 